all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and, and they you got to get them off welfare. Hey, welcome to Cars and Comrades, your leftist car podcast. My name is Bryant. Today we've got Brandon, Connor, and Zach with us. How are y'all doing? Doing well. Well, we're we're pretty much all recovering from COVID, so you know, yes. about as well as we can do. Yeah, this this might be the most positive episode we've ever done. Five <laughs> percent of us are COVID positive. Yeah, I'm I'm the only one that hasn't caught COVID in the last two weeks. So uh, I'm I'm gonna you know continue being a nerd and wearing a mask and stuff because it's worked out okay so far. Except for I'm like. Time. I'm 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 amazed by the amount of people I have to remind this to, but remember that getting a mask is more effective, or wearing a mask is more effective at preventing the spread rather yes. than preventing the contraction. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I admittedly was not wearing a mask at the show that I was at where I caught COVID uh, because it was like a fucking hundred degrees in there, but I still wear a mask like most of the time when I'm like going to the store or anything. Yeah. Well, and, and when I did get COVID, I was wearing a mask at work, and the guy sitting next to me did not catch COVID, so it seems to work that way. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a great mask adherent myself, actually, so it's just, them's the breaks. Yeah, it's coming for you one way or the other. I forget the exact number, but I think you're like 80 or 90% less likely to spread COVID if you're wearing a mask, but you're only like 20% less likely to contract it. Right. That that sounds right. I don't know. I'm not a... I, that's what I, I remember hearing COVID. way back. Yeah. My buddy criticized me and said that I should be wearing two masks, and I just was like, just just go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> I'm going to wear fucking five. <laughs> I'm going to do the best I can in a capitalist hellscape where, like, there is just no, like, abiding anyone, no consideration for human life, no willingness of the government to help curb the infection or anything. Yeah, it's like, I can wear a seatbelt in my little tiny MR2, uh, but if some guy in a jacked up 350 uh, rolls his tire through my windshield, uh, not much I can do about that. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to get out there and vote. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess uh, this might be a little bit more of a low energy uh, podcast than uh, than is typical. But uh, I'll try and keep things uh, uh, moving along here. I guess uh, we have a couple topics today. Uh, One that was uh, submitted by a Hexbear user. Um, I'm not sure if they wanted to be anonymous or not, so I'm just going to not use their name or anything. Screen name, that is. Um, about school buses in the Carolinas in the 80s and the people that drove them. And then also uh, we're going to talk about that time that North Korea stole a bunch of Volvos. Maybe we but, could uh, learn something. I'd like to steal a bunch of Volvos. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe you should try being a, uh, a socialist country in uh, Asia. 
I've been trying for so long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I guess first we're going to talk about uh, what we've been up to with our cars. And I think it's Brandon's term. Uh, um, I will only cite one significant thing because again, I've, this round of COVID hit me really fucking hard. So I've, I've not gotten a whole lot done, but, uh, I finally, uh, fixed the brakes on my Ford, uh, which is, it turns out were way, way, way worse than I thought they were. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I, one of the problems that I, I kept having, like one day I was on my way to my, my shop and I nearly rear ended somebody because when I would press the brake pedal as hard as I could, I would lock up my rear passenger side wheel, and that was it. Hmm. And my brakes would be very, like, the pedal would be very firm in hot weather, and very, like, soft in cold weather, so I thought that there might have been, like, water soaked, like, in the brake fluid, because you're supposed to flush that every few years and all, right? Uh, So I tried to flush it, and then caused uh, just a domino effect of problems that ultimately led to me replacing almost the entire braking system of my van. Oh, that's fun. Which, it really, like, it set me back about $80. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Wow. Because I, I already had a set of shoes, and I didn't need to replace the drums, but I had to replace all the hardware, the wheel cylinders, um, the adjusters, the master cylinder was the most expensive part of it all, but, like, I just kept fucking up one thing after another. Like I got debris caught in the original master cylinder. And while trying to uh, get the debris out from the tiny little pinholes, I managed to ruin the seals on the plunger. And so none of this stuff was expensive or hard to find, but all of it required me waiting four or five days to get. So I would replace one thing and then go to put everything back together and realize that something else was fucked up. But the most important thing was that, like, I, if you guys are familiar with drum brakes, you know what the self-adjusters are? Yeah. Kind of. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually a pretty ingenious little mechanism, but what it does is, as the brake shoes wear, it forces the brake shoes out a little bit at a time, over a long period of time, and it just does it automatically, uh, so that when you press the, the pedal, they're, they're still f- close to the drum and apply quickly. Somebody at some point put in self-adjusters that were the wrong thread on this van. So every time it was supposed to adjust, it was supposed to expand, it tightened the thread. (laughs) Oh, boy. I never quite figured out why it was only my rear passenger side wheel that was locking up and the other rear wheel wasn't. But the front drums were not even applying firmly (laughs) i real after i got everything fixed i realized that for the first like six months that i've had this van i was probably driving it around with 40 to 50 percent braking capacity yikes yeah not great now with everything replaced even with the front drums man that thing will stop on a dollar i was gonna say (laughs) don't say on a dime because that ain't true nope 10 dimes (laughs) Uh, no, it actually, like, I can lock up all four wheels now. It comes to a, a stop pretty quickly. Like, is it disc brakes? No, but it's it's some pretty big drum brakes up front. Good, good. Are you going to need a new tire in your rear passenger side? 
No, I mean, it's not like I was just driving everywhere, locking up the one wheel every chance I got. Okay. I probably did that three or four times because for some reason it only started doing it worse in hot weather. And there's still hmm. something weird going on where my pedal is slightly more firm in hot weather than cold weather. Weird. But nothing like it was. I, I'm just assuming it's like so much of like look up a 60 i think 68 to 9 to 74 ford van you'll realize that the engine compartment is really fucking small there's no hood it's all most of the motor is inside so heat buildup is crazy around the motor i think that there's enough of the braking components like in that little area that all of the heat is just causing like fluid expansion yeah good, good. yeah Seem like a reasonable explanation. Because like before it was dramatic, but now it's it's fairly slight. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. You you just feel that like on a cooler day, the brakes are ever slightly softer, and on a hot day, especially after you've been driving for a little while, so that the engine air compartment is like really thoroughly heat soaked, the brakes are as firm as they're going to get. But it stops really well now. Never causes me actual problems. And like I said, it, it took me like two weeks to do because of the delay on all the parts. But it, it only cost me, I think, like, yeah, like $80, $85 to do. Yeah, it's definitely not too bad. And, you know, I, I got it all going good and everything was together and, and great. And then, then I got COVID and I've been mostly in bed since then. Yeah, that's me. So I haven't, I've done jack shit on my car. I've actually done jack shit on my bicycle also. Because I, you know, I was having, I think I talked last time, I was having trouble adjusting the derailleurs on my bicycle. And then I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, I have a, another bicycle. I can just ride that one. So I've been real lazy and haven't uh, fixed the first one. But my car's been doing well. I did notice the other day that my tires are like five years old, so I should probably replace those soon. They're not super worn, but, you know, wouldn't be, wouldn't hurt. Um, I think, you know, just just from age, they wear out uh, after a certain point. I, I find that's been true for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, that's what, uh, that killed, uh, what's his name? Paul Walker was, he had like 12 year old tires on his Porsche. Um, no, so. that can't be right. What? I thought he was in like some brand new S car. There's no way he was on like 12 year old tires. What? He he was in a, I think it was a Porsche Carrera or something like that. I think um, it was a Carrera GT or something. Yeah, like. I thought v- it did just like, it would have just come out or some shit. Well, I think it had, it was one that he had bought that had been in storage for a while. If I remember really? correctly. That's, that's funny. Cause now I'm like, okay. I feel like I couldn't identify with dying in a sports car like that. But now if it's like, well, he was on 12 year old tires or some shit. I'm like, oh, I could identify with that. (laughs) (laughs) That is some shit I would do. I think uh, the the thing that I read basically said five years is when you want to think about replacing them. And 10 years is like you definitely want to replace. them. Oh, you got another like four years. You guys know that tires in the U.S. used to have like an alphabetical like measurement system not really no i mean up until the 60s and they would still sell tires this way in the 70s like you would get like an f series tire or whatever and that denoted a certain like 
uh, sidewall proportion and width and so on and so forth. Okay. They stopped doing that in the 70s, and I won't swear you couldn't get them in the 80s, but, like, definitely not past that. Uh, I one time got a flat and then had to figure out what size tires to put on that van because all of my tires were size F. Hmm. Hmm. So that was me riding around on 40-year-old tires. <laughs> yeah. I know um, when I did Lemons, uh, you know, like 10 years ago, there was a car that my, my buddy Jake got uh, was a Pacer, uh, AMC Pacer. And I think he got, he, he was having trouble finding tires and wheels. And uh, Judge Phil, who is one of the people that runs the thing, had a Dodge A100 van, I think, at the time. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, I just got new wheels and tires. Here, you can have my old one. But change the tires because they're from, like, 1997. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure. And then didn't do that and raced <laughs> on those tires. <laughs> nice. And it was sliding around a lot. I mean, but, as long as they're not visibly checked, I, I, I will run them. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, this was when the car had the original 4.2 smog motor from the 70s. So it was making like, I don't know, maybe like 120 horsepower or something like that. Oh, you don't even need good tires for that. <laughs> you, you could ride on fucking PVC pipe for that. <laughs> Yeah, might might as well have been PVC pipe. <laughs> yeah, my the engine that I had in my van when it had the F series tires on it, I be, I never got that motor over sixty five or seventy miles an hour. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's all I got. Uh, Connor, what have you been up to other than catching COVID? Uh, yep, yeah, c- catching COVID would be uh would be the big one. Um, so yeah, really nothing. Um, at least not on the car. Although I do want to point out just fun little COVID story, just because everybody knows that the whole country has, has forgotten that COVID exists. I, um, so like I was out of town over the weekend. Um, I was going to see my, my dad and, uh, my partner had a couple friends from out of town stay and they had a wedding or something in town. And well, someone at the wedding had COVID, they had COVID so then my partner got it, which then, of course, I got it. Anyway, so I start feeling it like my partner's got it Wednesday. So I'm and I find out I'm, I'm supposed to be in the office on Wednesdays because I don't know, for some reason, you know, the boss is like, hey, you guys should be in the office once a week for no apparent reason, even though gas is seven dollars a gallon for Connor. But whatever. So I'm in the office and then my partner calls me and says, oh, hey, yeah, uh, my friends had COVID. I have COVID. Um, And I was like, cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, I'm leaving now anyway. We get home, whatever. We we did try to keep me from getting it. So we separated the house and she was in our bedroom and that lasted for a day. The next morning I wake up with a sore throat and I was like, well, whatever there there you have it so i tell my my bosses whatever later in the day and i was like hey you know i've got covid or whatever and i i i t- you know i send a an email to like the hr people and i was like hey i have a negative covid test like cuz i had just taken it and i was like it came up negative but i 100% have covid like no doubt about it 
I've been exposed. I have the symptoms. This is what's going on. And I was like, you should probably tell all the people I was in the office with on Wednesday that I have COVID. And I had it at that time. And they're like, oh, well, um, let us know when you have a positive test and we'll let people know. And I was like, are you not hearing me? Like, I 100% have COVID. <laughs> like, And they're just like, okay, well, we'll wait until you have a positive test. And I was like, you people are a fucking joke. Um, which I did finally get uh, Friday or whatever. I was able to get a positive test. But like, you might, you couldn't like have pretty bad covid and still test negative depending on what kind of viral load you get or you know whatever this and that factor so like i was like i may never get a positive test and you people might just not ever tell all these people that they were exposed to someone with covid like what the fuck is wrong with you but you know of course they didn't give a shit and i you know hell i was if i didn't get a positive covid test i would have found uh i would have found a an image on google images of (laughs) positive covid test and sent it to him and just because like at a you certain point like the group chat and been like hey can any one of you guys send me a picture of your positive test <laughs> yeah it's just like i mean i'm like why the fuck i was like i i just couldn't believe it i was like you motherfuckers man um so yeah eventually like i had it and so they're gonna tell people and i was just like and i was wearing i was the only one of course as i have been for like a year now or, or six months or whatever uh, I am the only person in the office who wears their mask all day. And I hate going to the office for that reason. Cause I'm like, I wear my fucking mask all day and it is uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> so I actually wore my fucking mask. So I probably didn't spread it to anybody, but um, man, I was just like, what a fucking joke. People come the fuck on. Um, so yeah, eventually I got them a positive test and then I took the day off. So um I don't know if they told everybody or whatever, but I hope they did. <laughs> um, not that, you know, it'd probably matter that much. I'm sure everyone there had already had COVID, but um, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was pretty fucking absurd. So, well, as somebody who's already had COVID in the past, it sucks just as much the second time. Don't do it. Yeah, not, I'm, I'm not enjoying it. I was like, damn, this is, I, I didn't think people were joking or like making it more serious than it is, but like, going through it it is really shitty i was like this is very much not fun so yeah uh i wish people took it more seriously but uh it doesn't appear they're going to doesn't appear that uh, it's getting better it's probably just going to get worse and we're going to pretend that it's not happening so welcome to america yay yeah but anyway about it for me I don't think I've ever, at least in in like memory, like maybe when I was a kid or something, gotten like that level of sick in the summer. Because normally you get like the yeah. flu or a really bad cold or whatever, like in the winter. And so I've I've never like had like been sweating from a fever when I'm also in the middle of a heat wave. And yeah. it was really really disorienting because there were times where I'm just like, am I even do I even still have a fever or is it just 95 degrees outside? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've just been like really cold. I've been, I'm not kidding you. I've been having to take the dog out for walks and I'm wearing a sweater. (laughs) Like, it's just like, all right, whatever. This is, man, my body is all kinds of fucked up. So, uh, yeah, didn't do too much work on the car for that reason. Slacker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all I got. I just wanted to point out that uh, it's still absurd and work sucks and, you know, fuck these bastards. 
They don't care about us. Yeah. yeah. So I'll co-sign anyway. that. Well, okay. COVID's over. You need to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's nuts. We got monkeypox to deal with now. COVID's not real anymore. Oh, stop. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Let's make a big deal about the thing where hundreds of cases have been reported and ignore the one where millions of deaths have been reported. Yeah. That seems like the, the best option, definitely. I mean, are are is there still Ebola? Can we freak out about that still? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think there was ever more Ebola or less Ebola. It's just sometimes it happens to a white person, so the news gets upset. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. <clears throat> Ebola is one of the diseases that we actually can't get rid of because it would enti- it would require wiping out like entire insect populations because that's where it comes from. Huh. Okay. Damn. Huh. But yeah, I mean, like, unless there was some sort of like, I don't know, is, is there like a vaccine for Ebola or anything? No idea. I don't know, but it's it's not just community spread. It, it can come from insects or whatever. Okay. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Zach, what have you been working on while you've had COVID? (laughs) Not a whole lot. Yeah, I I had COVID too. And yeah, just to reiterate what everyone has said, it's bad. Don't get it. It sucks. I didn't eat for like three days. I was literally asleep for 36 hours straight. I had a bad fucking time. And for whatever reason, I got one version or strain or whatever that like hit my stomach and my upper respiratory system. So, yeah, you can imagine. It was just a bad fucking time. Um, So, yeah, I haven't been doing a whole lot. Um, The first day I went back to work, uh, the driver's door on my pickup uh, stopped staying closed. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was a great first day back. I I have it duct taped shut now, and I've just been getting in through the passenger side and sliding over. So thank God for bench seats. Yeah, I was about to say it's a bench seat, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Stick shifts and safety belts. Bucket seats have all got to go when we're driving. Uh, yeah, I definitely, that just moved up quite a bit on my priority list. I got to get a new door for that truck ASAP. Is it not fixable? That it sounds like it would be something that wouldn't be too bad. Oh no, it's it's not closing because I it got hit by another oh, car. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> on that right. door. Right, I yeah. forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many issues with the Ranger that I I forget all of the issues with the Ranger. You and me both, buddy. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've been dealing with that for the last week. What else? Uh, a million Ranger issues. The driver's side window also doesn't like go up and down very smoothly. It gets stuck and kind of bounces in one spot a lot. And I have no AC in it right now. Oh, nice. The, the yeah. beautiful combo. I love yeah. it. Yep, that's that's been really fun. So that one definitely needs some attention, but instead of giving that attention, I'm going to go pick up a free car today because someone's getting rid of it for free. So free car is, you should never pass on that. Yeah. My mom was like, Hey, this lady I know is asking me if anyone wants this car. 
And I was like, yeah, I want it. <laughs> I want Wait. it. What is it? <laughs> I want it. What is it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, it's a, you know, it's like an old Lexus um, SUV. And she said that there might be something wrong with the alternator and it needs a windshield and it's got an oil leak, but it's got oh, new cool. tires and a new battery. I'm like, sold. I will take it. Oh, so, cool. More problems. <laughs> All right. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, I knew there was going to be problems, but of course, from what it sounds like, I think, I mean, well, we'll see. Fingers crossed. I think this is great. Too big of a project, and I could at least get like a few grand out of it. I don't know, but I'm going to eat those words, I'm sure. Yeah, we should clip out, we should clip out (laughs) Zach saying this and play it on the show later. Yeah, just <laughs> every just time throw it we... in my face in a month when I'm like, well, I've got the engine out of it for the third time now. <laughs> I think oh. this is the part where we should dig up a clip of me from like six months ago on just going on a tirade about Lexuses. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, I I agree. I for the most part, I think they're overpriced. And I have a friend who is a, uh, or I'm sorry, was. Alexis service tech and one day I, I went on my spiel about how much I fucking hate Lexuses in front of him and he shut me the fuck down yeah <laughs> did he know saying that like you don't even know the half of it or more so like no you're wrong they're actually fucking great uh, saying that while their owners might be assholes they're basically um, they're more expensive cars but they basically pay for themselves in terms of like requiring no maintenance. I mean, yeah, I mean well, that's they're Toyotas. They're, yeah, yeah, exactly. Toyotas. They're just that's, Toyotas in fancy clothes. That's so you were that. correct the whole time. I mean, they're good for being. They're one of the. I will say, you can hate them all you want. They are one of the best luxury car brands uh, because they are Toyotas and not BMWs or Mercedes. Yeah, or Audi for that reason. For that matter. Yeah. Um, they're going to be re- more reliable than any of those. Yeah, I, I get that. Just like this was a buddy who I was working with uh, in the film, and he like him and I would just talk cars all day long, and he he like really like went in depth about like all of the reason that like I should not hate Lexuses, and like I'm not gonna go out and buy one, but it definitely cooled me off on my my whole like hating Lexus thing. Oh, I'm probably not going to buy one either, but hey, free car is a free car. So. Okay, yeah, hold on. Yeah. Speaking of buying one, which I know, Zach, you've talked about getting a, yourself a GS300 in, in the in the past. Did, did I did I tell you guys about um, that I rode in a friend's GS300 that's got like a Turbo 2J with like making 600 plus horsepower? 2JZ engine, no shit. Ooh. You did not. That sounds incredible. Oh my God. Yeah, this was um, exactly what I want to do. This is a month or two ago or whatever. Yeah, it's a big fucking single turbo. He did have it built. He had it built by the same shop that is the tuning shop that I've been having a hell of a time with. But um, obviously, they specialize in 2JZ stuff. So a little bit different treatment. And they also built his motor. So, you know, it worked out a little bit better for him. But yeah, uh, it was it's stupid. It's I was like, I was giggling it was so fun he's because like he's like oh yeah i'll show you how it is and like we're in an, his alley and i'm like all right well you know sure give me i didn't think he was gonna hit it in the alley because it's like you know there's a half a block you're in a fucking alley yeah we're in an alley and there's like a half a block so i was like well and this thing gets up to fucking like 60 
in like three or four houses. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, I was, and this thing just spools up and it was like, oh, the sound was incredible. But yeah. And he's like, I'm giving it half throttle. He's like, I, if I give it full throttle, it'll just tear the fucking tires off the rims. And I was like, yeah, I believe that. That's but, fucking awful. Oh my god, this thing fucking moved, and I was like, "Man, I have got to get me something with a two J." Although that's pretty much too expensive now. So, yeah, yeah. that's my whole uh, you know idea for getting a GS three hundred is the fact that they're dirt cheap and they do have two Js in them. They're yep, and so if you build them, turbo, if you fill them, turbo. you can add the turbo. Yeah, I mean, I have read a lot of people getting close to four hundred wheel out of like what they call in a turbo builds, basically no internal work, no swapping over to the VVTI head, yep. no building the internals, nothing, literally just turbo manifold, slap it on. You're a boosty boy. Now you can get 400 <laughs> all day long. And I, dude, I couldn't believe cause like the GS 300 is not a small car and like to feel something this big, get to that speed that fast is mind-boggling i was like whoa all right <laughs> so that was very cool and I, I think one day if i ever get another chance to build a different drift car i, I think i will try and put like a 1j into something uh, mostly because oh, yeah. i can't afford I, I i don't have 2j money but i probably do have 1j money um and yeah. you fuck it you know pistons and rods you can do anything so oh, yeah. um that's what By the I time say. you have 1J money, you won't have gas money, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I can dream, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't talk shit. I'm the one who still r- runs old school V8s, so. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I it was very fucking fun, and I was like, all right, this is this is some fun shit. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's my little Lexus story that I wanted to interject with. Yeah, just real quick before we move on, um, in case I ever do get the chance to build a GS, do you know what transmission he was running behind it? Was this was it a CD009 oh, swap or? No, no, I think he's running an R154. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I think it was an R154. Nice, and I don't know how much you know about it, but stock diff in the rear or? Oh, I can't remember what he was doing with a diff. Um okay. It's not welded. It might be stock. Yeah, it might be a stock. I, I don't remember exactly, but that was another thing that my buddy praised, like any Toyota for, was having insanely strong diffs. Actually, most of the Japanese cars were uh, had wild fucking diffs. I don't know why specifically, but like Nissan's R two hundred, same thing. You could put you, that, that's never the that's never the weak point. You never have to worry about it. So people can put like fucking 800 horsepower LSs in their fucking little 240s with that came stock with a you know little four cylinder and that diff will just take it and it's the same diff in the 350z just you know it'll take it'll handle any power you throw at it you never have to worry about the diff in at least that particular Nissan diff or uh, many Lexuses so yeah they got their diffs right that is good news for building a gs 300 (laughs) yes it is (laughs) and also for hopefully building and selling this lexus um suv probably not but maybe (laughs) do you you know is it the one that's like uh based off the toyota highlander or the uh the i forget what the other one is 
I don't think it's not the Highlander one. It's probably based off of like a RAV4. It's a smaller sized SUV. It's the RX 300, I believe. It's a 2001, uh, their RX line. Um, so kind of a smaller to midsize SUV. Um, oh, no, that is a Highlander based. Is that Highlander based? Yeah. It does not look nearly as big as a Highlander to me. Older Highlanders uh, I, were a lot smaller than new ones. That's are. true. That's true. Yeah. My mom had a, a Highlander around this same time period, and and it looks very similar. I mean, they're basically just a taller Camry um, with a V6. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking into uh, parts f- for it. Uh, found an alternator for like two fifty. Coils are pretty expensive. They're like sixty bucks a piece. Plugs are like twenty five a piece. So I'm hoping that kind of stuff is okay, but. I think right now I'm hopefully dropping, you know, a new alternator, new windshield, and then trying to track down that oil leak. And Wait, an alternator is $250? Yeah. I think I hate Lexuses again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, modern alternators and, and yeah, that's what they most modern days. cars what? are around that. Yeah. They, small blocks all cost like 50 bucks for an alternator. <laughs> Well, that's because they paid off the tooling in like 1965. Yeah, they've made 47 million of them. Also, they're probably putting out like 20 amps because it's only powering like the coil. Yeah. I don't have electric anything in any of my vehicles. Yeah, there's a big difference between the electrical load on a 1960s van and a modern luxury SUV. I know, I'm talking shit because it's fun, not because I mean it. I also like how 2001 is modern. <laughs> I mean, relatively, <laughs> relatively, it is. Yeah, that you was know. just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Considering my new vehicle is a 75, like, yes, 2001 is modern. I mean, yeah, in comparison of that, like, we're a lot closer to 2001 than 2001 was to 1975. Yeah, true. Uh, so I feel old now. I always feel old, but that's just my like rapidly decaying body more than anything else. I've been going gray since I was 11 years old, so. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Okay. <laughs> By the time I could grow a full beard, it was completely gray. Uh, that's kind of rad, though, honestly. Pretty cool. It, it's I, I, I'm indifferent towards it. It just is what it is. Fair enough. Uh, trying to think of any other car updates I have before we move on. I think that's probably it. My Subaru is still doing good. Not driving it a whole lot. Been trying to um, just, you know, keep the mileage down, let it chill for now and drive my... Why would you drive your sick Subaru when you can drive your Ranger that the door won't stay shut on? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? It's such a better experience sweating buckets into the cloth seats of my Ranger with no AC in it dead of summer so much more fun i mean i drive vans with no ac where the engine is basically in the cab with you so i feel you yeah it's it's an experience um i think uh assholes would tell me that it toughens me up or something like that but um it's just a free sauna you know (laughs) yeah exactly you get the the rocks and the the little ladle full of water in there (laughs) and stuff oh yeah that's nice um i was gonna say uh i still need to fix the uh the ac on my 
Sabaru. So, uh, you know, Zach, let me know when you want to do that. We'll make a day of it and, you know, refill Freon together or something. Oh, hell yeah. That sounds like a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I need to do it um, sooner rather than later, but I'm yeah. also kind of lazy. So we'll see. Well, I'm also kind of lazy. And the, the AC works okay on my MR2. It just takes like a third of the power of the engine to turn that thing. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, you're down to a solid 63 horsepower when you've got the just on. about yeah so i gotta like whenever i take off from a light i gotta turn it off real quick <laughs> yeah going up hills no ac then for sure i mean it doesn't help that that engine you know makes all its power in like above 3000 to 5000 rpm or so like it's got no torque off the line it's got plenty of torque off the line if you launch it 3,500 every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Zach, did you have anything else? Or? No, I don't think so. I think that okay. was everything. Yeah. Well, before we move on, I, I wanted to reiterate um, for the listeners, uh, I'm, I've just become an evangelist for the, uh, the free antiviral meds that you can get from the government. Paxlovid and something that begins with an M. I forget. So I was talking about this when I got COVID a couple months ago and it helped me out a lot. So uh, I'll put the link in the, in the show notes. You can, you know, check that out and try and get some, some free antiviral pills from, from Joe Brandon. And I'm I'm just imagining you like wearing like, who was the guy that had the the wild suits that was always talking about getting free money from the government. (laughs) Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name. Uh, yeah, but they were always covered in like question marks or dollar bills or something. Yeah, I'm just yeah. imagining you wearing one of those suits like get free medication from the government right now. <laughs> Hold on. You didn't mention that they were free. Oh, what the fuck is this? I, yeah, I mean, send, I didn't send pay that, put that link in the show notes, but like send that link to me, too. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I didn't pay anything for it, but maybe that's because I was unemployed and I was on Medicaid at the time. So um, it might be you might it might go through your insurance or, and you might have a copay or something. I don't know how it works. I'll just I'll just act outraged. I, I feel like it's not free anymore. The government has abandoned us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you guys want to talk about school buses in the eighties? I would love nothing more. Okay. Oh, wait, this might apply to me specifically since I actually was on school buses in the 80s. Just for fun? Or were you in the Carolinas? Or? Georgia. That's very close. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that might, that's, in the, that's in the ballpark. We're, this is hitting close to home for me. Oh, yeah. You saw the... Uh, sorry, this is a side tangent. Uh, you saw that the Georgia Guidestones got blown up, right? Good. well okay until you find out that they're the i don't know it was because of some stupid conspiracy theory and some fucking maniac did it i mean okay so there are a lot of conspiracy theories around the georgia guidestones but what a lot of people don't realize is that it actually was constructed by like a conspiracy theorist like like clan supporter cool weird so like there are people are wrong about the conspiracies because you the, the the people who hate the guidestones probably believed a lot of the same shit that the guy who built them did. 
<laughs> <laughs> I don't even. What, do you know any any of them quickly off the top of your head, or like? Because I don't know anything about. I just know that Guidestones got blew up because of stupid conspiracy theories. Uh, do, do I know any of what the conspiracy theories about what they meant? Well, yeah, just the. I mean, any basic like, oh, they think you know the Jews <clears throat> set up these rocks, and therefore I don't know what whatever whatever the basis of it is. I know nothing about any. I, of them. I think that there's like a lot of like Satanist shit, like. Um, like this guy was like a, a trying to like sub, subvert Christianity or something or other, okay. but no, he was he was like I don't think that there's a lot known. Like um, there's there's some like I don't want to say like leaps in logic to connect the dots, but like they basically had to be like okay, we've narrowed it down to where it could only possibly be this one dude, and he was a I forget the specifics, but the one thing that I definitely remember was that he was a clan supporter. So honestly, anything that he did in his life can fucking get blown up. I don't give a shit. Cool. Fuck yeah, him. I'm with you. Now, you know what? Now we need to start the conspiracy that Stone Mountain was is <laughs> a satanic conspiracy. I have somebody go level another thing that was built by a clan member. Fuck them. But anyways, uh, Brandon, would you be able to read this uh, this message that we got from the uh, the Hexgrow user? Because I'm kind of bad at reading these kind of things. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, bear with me because I'm struggling and coughing and whatnot. Well, but, if you'd rather, yeah. I can do it. No, I, I I can do it. I don't mind. All right. Um, I want to share with you some information related to cars and child labor. With the rise of shootings lately, there are obviously talks of gun control. I was talking to some boomers, and they say the typical "We used to bring our hunting rifles to schools, and it was no problem." But they also told me we used to drive the school buses. I'd never heard that before, so I did some research and found that most states had banned school bus drivers under the age of 18 by 1968. However, North and South Carolina had students driving the school bus routes until 1988. In 87, there were 14,350 bus drivers in North Carolina, of whom 5,000 were 16 and 17 years old. (laughs) South Carolina had 6,000 school bus drivers, of whom 1,200 were 17 years old. A CDL was not required to drive a school bus at the time. To become a bus driver, the student had to attend a three-day extracurricular class and pass two tests, one written and one driving the bus. Upon passing, the student was certified to drive a school bus for three years. In 1985, the average student school bus driver in South Carolina was paid $3.47 an hour, equivalent to $8.57 today. It's a dog shit. The superintendent of Charlotte... Uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg, North Carolina schools said that his district would have a hard time finding adults that would work for the same pay. Huh. In 1988, the federal U.S. Department of Labor ended the student bus driver exemption of North and South Carolina when 17-year-old bus driver ran over and killed a 14-year-old boy, or, I'm sorry, a four-year-old boy in West Columbia, South Carolina. Well, that's uh, very yeah. American. That is a libertarian wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So um, thanks to the Hexbear user who sent this in so that I didn't have to do research on this. Um, <laughs> thank you for doing research for us. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty wild story. I had no idea that this was a thing. I don't know. I, I've got a few notes from the, the... He also sent us some links, or they sent us some links. Uh, of some news stories and I've got some notes from those, but I don't know if you guys have anything just off of that first, uh, summary there. I'll just comment that like 
before we were actually recording and I was reading through this, I stopped like a third of the way through like, holy shit, we had under 18 year old bus drivers up until 1968. That wasn't even that long ago, <laughs> relatively, because uh, I didn't keep reading that some states kept it alive until almost the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I. It sounds very, um, very Carolina. <laughs> Just, um, also, I love that it's like they were basically paid minimum wage, and they're like, "Well, we couldn't find adults to work for that." And you're just like, "Yeah, you, you could just like pay a little bit more, and then maybe children don't have to drive other children to school." Like, uh, I mean, I am seeing more and more signs now for, at places that pay minimum wage, advertising that they're now hiring as young as 14. So this, this does track. Child labor is as American as apple pie. Yeah. Um, which I, I just like, it's just kind of bizarre to me that like this seemed like even remotely a good idea, especially in the 60s, the 70s, back when like, I mean... I, cars didn't have very good brakes at that time. I can't imagine buses did either. Like c- vehicles were death traps back then, way more than they are today. Well, today we have you know outrageous. I'm, I'm still driving things from back then, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I know you know, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, so to put a child who has very little driving experience behind the wheel of one of these things full of fucking children. No, no, you're not paying attention. They had to pass a written and driving (laughs) test. (laughs) I don't know about you guys. Like maybe like this was a thing of my era. Maybe this was just how my mom was, but I don't, I don't think it was just that. I I remember being like 16 and 17 and there was like this idea that I like, like you're not supposed to listen to loud music because you got to focus on the road and you're not an experienced enough driver and all this stuff. And do you remember how fucking loud a school bus is? <laughs> that, is yeah. that is just like, like what, 50 or 60 just screaming children. <laughs> Who are hitting each other and stuff. <laughs> Some of those kids might be older than the bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> now, I in one of the articles that they sent over... Uh, it did say that they didn't let the the you know underage bus drivers drive like kindergartners, which I guess. well that would be unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> for that, they had to find adults that would work for minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> no, they probably. I mean, they wanted to. You know, they they probably drove the kids that had had a little bit more time to develop a certain relationship with their parents, so that the loss would hurt a little bit more. <laughs> Oh Jesus! <laughs> also, we're really glancing over like a big part of this story, which is the quote: "We used to bring our hunting rifles to school, <laughs> and it was no problem." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've heard that one before. Uh, <laughs> you know, mostly in the uh, the a car club where we pretend to be boomers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, although, I mean, look, there is something to that, and I, and I think it's worth, like, mentioning. People did bring guns to school, and it was fine, but it's like, that was pre-mass shooting, like, being a thing, and then there was a tipping point where it's like, people who have serious problems are like, oh, 
I could go out and kill a massive number of people. And it's like, all right, well, that was like the cat's out of the bag. Now people who are like, I'm feeling... I feel like Columbine was was pushing the sled off of the hill and it's been doing nothing but gaining speed ever since. Yeah, yeah. That, exactly. It's like, oh, I could just... I could go out with a bang. <laughs> America has been diseased ever since. Well, dude, we're recording now like a week after 4th of July and I saw somebody post about the shooting in Chicago and uh, about how that was the first mass shooting in America since earlier that day. And I had to actually look up what other mass shooting had occurred earlier in the day because it wasn't as big as the Chicago one. Yeah. 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 That's a lot. I mean, and, and a big part of it is, of course, we all know the the consequences of alienation and capitalism and like people we live in a very sick society that like doesn't have its shit together and yeah it's mental health but it's also it's just like yeah this is what people people snap when they live in a world that is built on greed and fucking like oh you don't like you could lose your job at any second and be destitute like yeah it causes stresses that humans are not meant to uh to go through and uh, people snap but they they've started snapping in a particular way ever since basically Columbine. Yeah. So, I mean, it's worth noting that like, yeah, people used to bring guns to school and it was fine, but uh, that is not fine now. Well, and also I don't know exactly when this happened, but at some point the NRA went from like, uh, like oh, yeah. an organization that does like hunter safety courses and like, you know, helps you like learn how to clean your gun and operate it safely to like, you know, you know, those people are outside your door and you have to depend, defend yourself and you need a, a howitzer to do it or whatever. <laughs> I think it was... I don't know if it's actually true, but I, I heard I literally was looking at stuff earlier today about how that the tipping point was when Reagan ran for president. Um, that was the first time that they really went hard in on politics. Yeah, I think that I think I'd heard that, too. But like even into the 90s, they <laughs> kind of maintained a certain like image of like hey we're just like you know pro gun safety and like we're, we advocate for people to have hunting rifles and stuff like they were still they maybe started to go uh in that direction but like they were still a reasonable organization into like the 90s i think i'm gonna push back on that a little bit because I, they yeah, i'm i'm going absolutely off of just... well they they helped write and sponsor the mulford act um, which is the act in California that is basically the basis for their uh, gun control that exists in the, in the state now. In the 80s, in response to the Black Panther Party yes. arming themselves, they very much were against that. Before that, possibly they were a little more middle of the road, just gun owner advocate, kind of, you well, know, they still yeah, here's a hunting hunter safety course i mean they still try to present themselves in that way to this day I feel, no they can't no they're they're just like hey nra tv is like just the straight up just the fascist channel <laughs> like they're i don't think um, they're hiding it anymore um uh, apparently a- even in the early 80s there were politicians who had said that uh nra uh lobbyists had put so much pressure on them and given like the amount of pressure and the specific lobby that they were that they went in on gun rights because they were straight up afraid of the NRA. Like, not like afraid of losing their backing, but like 
Afraid, afraid of bodily harm oh, caused by NRA members. Jesus. Yeah. And and then there's the whole, you know, from my cold dead hands. I think that was in the 80s because I think it was uh, something to do with Red Dawn. And that was what, like 86 or 87 or something. Anyways. <laughs> oh, man. My, my favorite Fourth of July meme this year was you can have my fireworks when you pry them from my cold dead fingers, which are over there on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> But um, yeah, where were we? Uh, school buses. Um, <laughs> yeah, we. So there's so much bad going on; it's hard to stay on track. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a underage person driving a bus. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this started in the in the 1940s when all the uh, the adults were uh, off fighting the war. Um, they. You know, this was a- we, we can't trust a woman to drive the school bus here. Let the twelve year old do it. <laughs> Pretty God. much, yeah. So um, it says that uh, teenage boys raised on farms and used to driving tractors knew how to handle the unwieldy vehicles. No, oh, totally. Yeah, they they, <laughs> they encounter so much traffic in the fucking cornfields. I'm sure. Okay, I'm I'm actually going to back this point up. My dad started driving tractor trailers when he was 15 years old because he had learned on all the farm equipment. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't know how good he was when he was fifteen, but by the time I met him, he was pretty good. <laughs> this one says uh, that North Carolina was one of the few remaining states in which the buses um, were owned by local school boards, and eighty percent of the state's school bus routes were still in predominantly rural areas outside of city boundaries, where many student drivers have experienced operating farm vehicles so they weren't necessarily driving them in the city until they were and then it became a problem <laughs> uh, uh, as you can uh you know remember from that 17 year old killing the four-year-old so at one time more than 20 states allowed 16 and 17 year olds to drive school buses and wyoming even hired 15 year olds for a while nice yeah that's impressive I mean, it, Wyoming, what are they going to hit, a field? <laughs> oh, have you ever seen um, Cannibal the Musical? Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not in a long time. There's there's a, a part where uh, the main character, Alfred Packer, is recounting about how he ran away to, to Wyoming to escape justice. And then he's like, well, yeah, but but then I came back to Colorado and it's like, well, why, why did you do that? And he's like, have you ever been to Wyoming? <laughs> anyway it's a it's a pretty silly movie it's on youtube you can watch it um not not the best quality movie but uh you get what you pay for anyways uh so this article from 1985 says in 1968 florida south dakota and texas raised the minimum driving age for school bus drivers to 18 leaving the 12 states that currently employ students in 1985 they are Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Mississippi, Nebraska, Nevada, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Virginia, and Wyoming. So, none of those are surprising. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> the ones uh, you would expect, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then they're still speaking in the present tense here. Students who are accepted into the training program 
participate in a three-day out-of-school class and take two tests, one written, one behind the wheel. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure it was really good training. Um, there, There's this one... It was three days. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> there's this one uh, guy who, who wrote his sort of first-person um, perspective of being one of these school bus drivers and was talking about how the class was taught by state trooper S.C. Mosley. And the, the cop would, if they left their hand on the shifter uh, in between shifts, he would hit them with a ruler on the knuckles. <laughs> oh boy. So, uh, yeah. Catholic school nun shit. And, and this guy kind of wraps up the, uh, the post by saying, you know, that's why I, I don't keep my hand on the shifter. And uh, the beating was actually good for me because um, it talk, taught me discipline or something. Why? I mean, because he's a boomer. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's they, they just love to be dominated. <laughs> if, you, if you don't beat your children, do you really even love them? <laughs> yeah. One person recalls that the school buses were parked at each driver's home. So the drivers always had a ride to school. Uh, oh my God. How many kids were the designated school bus driver and then their friends chauffeur on like Friday night? Yeah. I was just going to say like this. I'm sure that there were some discrepancies in the mileage of that fucking bus. Yeah. Well, it says that they would sometimes drag race them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I who would? Everything. I retract everything I've said. We need 16 and 17 year old school bus drivers back. I'm yeah. They get the buses for their own personal use on weekends. I'm <laughs> I support this. Oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, this is um wow. So they were they were they got the chance to be 16 and 17 year olds with buses and no rules. This is truly fantastic. I hope they drag raced with kids in the bus. I bet the kids loved it. They were probably cheering. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, I don't think a drag race in a school bus is really a high stakes. Yeah, I mean, they said that tops out at like 45 or something. So so a lot of them, a lot of people defended this program and said that, you know, the student drivers are very safe and responsible <laughs> and everything. And, you know, um, we're going to we're going to have trouble finding experienced adults that have as much experience as these <laughs> children. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, a little microcosm of one school district, uh, the Charlotte Mecklesburg district, uh, they employed 640 school bus drivers, 39% or yeah, 39% of whom are students. The student drivers were involved in 64% of school bus accidents in the district last year. Huh. Interesting. So, um, very safe. Very yeah. safe. I, you know, I do find it funny. Like, so there's older people who always like, you know, Oh, the kids these days, they're all bad and blah, 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 and rotten, whatever. There's another type of like, I don't know, older folks defending young people as, as like, Oh no, they're good old kids or whatever. You're just like, have you met any teenager ever? Like, <laughs> no, they're not They're They wait until you are not looking and then they are doing drugs and everything you told them not to do. Which is fine. I think that's part of being a teenager. I, I'm, I'm all for it. But like, there are that a lot of part people... of me being almost 40. <laughs> <laughs> I just I do think it's funny when it's like, there are adults who think like, oh, no, they're good kids. They can do no wrong. And you're just like, all right, you, you've gone 
like too far in the other direction here. <laughs> like, come on now. Well, that just makes me think of the amount of times I've had like boomers and older Gen Xers like complain about millennials and like how they believe this and that. And they're talking to me and I'm like, dude, you're describing me. And they're like, yeah, but you're different. And I'm like, no, you're just making a straw man argument. <laughs> I've had that exact same experience. Yeah. But, like, I'm different just because I'm harder than you. Like, you just have a hard time accepting that you're a fucking pansy. Like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> so, um, going back a little bit in history, uh, in 1939, the U.S. Department of Labor issued Hazardous Occupation Order Number 2, which prohibited 16 and 17-year-olds from driving motor vehicles for commercial purposes, which, you know, government regulation just has to kill all the fun. But this didn't apply to uh, school districts until 1996. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask. I was like, "How? Please explain how this how this went under the radar." <laughs> yeah, and that's when uh, school systems were brought under the Fair Labor Standards Act. Well, like the schools weren't doing it for commercial purposes; they weren't filming it at all for <laughs> advertising or otherwise. Yeah. Uh, at, at that point, however, an exemption to the order was developed. Uh, to enable those systems that had been employing students to to continue this practice. So they just did it for another 20 years at, as an exemption. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, cool, cool. Oh, yeah, here's that quote I was thinking of. Granted, it wasn't a perfect system. There are times when we drag race the big <laughs> yellow school buses <laughs> on deserted country roads, even <laughs> though they would only do 35 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. And one time I stuck one up to the axles in a soybean field. One day. <laughs> like, what were you doing in that soybean field, bud? <laughs> oh, my God. It wasn't a per- it, you know, it wasn't a perfect system, actually. Oh, man, that's that's priceless. Um, one of the you know, if that kid wasn't such a soy boy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, thank, thank you for that because I was working on it but my mental acuity is just not there right I, now it took me so long I was trying to get there for like so long Yeah, honestly I'm really proud of how well we're all doing from just being riddled with disease <laughs> uh, I don't have any excuse but uh, you're, you're doing great you're leading the pack here bud oh thanks uh, let's see where was I uh, I put these to notes together at like 2 a.m. last night so uh I, it's not the most coherent thing um let's see okay so one of, <laughs> speaking of boomer stuff uh one of the people that they interviewed um that was one of these previous drivers back in the day they asked her do you think this would be a good idea today and she's like uh no no definitely not there are just too many distractions i see young people in their cars with cell phones and texting it scares <laughs> me to death Kids were more mature back then, and I think we were more disciplined. <laughs> what she's really saying is, you know, the, the old people were allowed to beat us, so we didn't step out of line as much. Yeah. Oh, man. So in April of uh, 1988, the the courts basically said, uh, no, you can't do this. Stop immediately. And and the school districts uh, appealed and basically said, well, we can't hire enough adult drivers. Uh, so they're like, OK, fine. <laughs> so we'll we'll do we'll do a little extension on this. So um, uh, this is an article from March 15th, 1988. 
Uh, the U.S. Department of Labor agreed Tuesday to let some North and South Carolina school districts continue to use 17-year-old bus drivers through the end of the school year. So, yeah, they just they're like, yeah, just, you know, give it give it a couple more months and then we'll uh, we'll hire some more drivers. Um, they did eventually hire adult drivers and they bumped the pay up to uh, 475 an hour, uh, which in 1980 in today's dollars, it's uh, 1174. So still not great wages, but also better than, you know, federal minimum wages today. That means nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Federal minimum wage is just shy of slave labor at this point. Yeah, if not below it. Um, yeah. Let's see. Did I have anything else? Yeah, I mean, there was one article written by um, this guy, Steve Robertson, who uh, was like the owner of the newspaper. It's basically talking about how, like, you know, government overreach caused this, uh, the ending <laughs> of this fine tradition. <laughs> And um, uh, let's see what what they need to understand is that these kids are going to kill kids regardless. So if you don't let them drive the school bus, they're just going to bring a gun to school. Yeah. I also love how the government was interfering with the government program for schools. <laughs> like <laughs> the government stepped in in the free market of public schools and that's what caused the problem. Oh, please do not act like libertarians are not actively trying to eliminate public schools. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think his thing was like, you know, the federal government stepped in and, and you know, told us what uh, local school districts could do. Like, you know, we got to, like, let black people in and, you know, have uh, adults driving the school buses and dumb shit like that. Uh, I, maybe I'm reading between the lines, but. Uh, oh, no, I'm sure that's fun. that's always a part of it. Yeah. Let's see. Where was I? Okay. No, that's not what I was looking for. Uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, all these. I think I could drive a school bus if it weren't for the fact that you would have to go to work twice a day. <laughs> yeah. But like, I've seen The Simpsons. I could be auto. <laughs> it's doable. Like, the, the like obviously on drugs, like metalhead bus driver. <laughs> that's that's like a tailor made job for me. I have a feeling that they do drug tests today, but I'm not sure about that. Well, it's a CDL job, so yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all I've got about that. Um, any other thoughts before we move on to the the Volvo thing? Uh, child labor is super cool, and we should have more of it. Yeah. Oh, oh libertarian Connor's back. <laughs> um, I have COVID brain, so yeah, maybe a little bit. I'm feeling the power of the free market today. Yeah, well, you're probably sick because of the free market. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. But anyway, I guess moving on. So, yeah, um, we get that other link there for the North Korea Volvo thing. Or uh, I think we can just read through the whole thing. It's pretty quick. Yeah, I think it was a pretty quick, uh, quick thing. So yeah, we've got this uh, this story about um, North Korea and Volvos, and this is you know kind of old news. I mean, this article is from 2017, and the actual events uh, happened in the 80s or late 70s, I believe, in the 70s. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting story, and there's not a lot of like, I'll just say a lot of the stuff that you hear about North Korea is like from 
South Korean tabloid newspapers or, uh, I don't know, the U.S. State Department. So it's kind of hard to know what to believe is is true and what's not about North Korea. Yeah, it's time for our it's time for our North Korea takes. Here we go. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say any anything good or bad about the government of North Korea right now. No, for me, North Korea is a thing. I have enough really questionable takes. I have just refused to learn more about North <laughs> Korea. I, I don't I don't need to learn really anything to know that when the U.S. hates someone that much, that a lot of it's a lie. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good guess. Especially when uh, they're like, oh, they killed this person who's apparently still alive every time. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> also, a lot of what I know about North Korea is from like the 50s and 60s. So like this is more from an era that I can attest to. And this was in the, the 50s and 60s of the Koreas. North Korea was the economic powerhouse. Yeah, it was fucking thriving. I, by the way, I mm. didn't learn that until like the last year or so. Like I just had, I was like, oh, that you know, they probably always struggled because obviously, uh, you know, uh, America would never allow a socialist country to succeed, and so we've always, you know, depressed them in some way, shape, or form. But like, yeah, they fucking thrived. Like they were beating the shit out of South Korea, and it was not close. And at the same time, South Korea had a lot of fucking help from the U.S., U.K., you you name it. So pretty fucking embarrassing loss for capitalism, actually. Yeah, it, it took a bombing campaign against North Korea that would rival World War II to even, like, slow them down. Yeah. And when I say rival, I mean, didn't wasn't that one of the things where the total amount of bombs dropped in the Korean War was greater than all of World War II combined or something? Uh, that might have been Vietnam. That, I can't remember. Oh. Uh, we yeah. bombed all of the countries in Asia that we didn't like, uh, but you know in an excessive amount yeah if you were a ruler in asia in the 60s and even looked left uh we were gonna bomb the shit out of you yeah and i i'm kind of looking forward to uh the the new season of blowback uh because they're gonna that's gonna be about korea um oh that'll be interesting yeah yeah i might i might even pay for it uh but uh we'll see yeah, because I don't, I don't know very little about the the Korean War and you know North Korea for that matter. Yeah, I think I learned a lot. There was um, I think there was a somewhat recent Rev Left episode that okay. went into. Yeah, I think it was in the last like year or six months or something, uh, and they talked about the you know Korean War and stuff and like that period of like the fifties and sixties when Korea uh, actually thrived. Um, so I learned a lot from that, and you know, I mean, maybe not every part of it is necessarily true i still like to take things with a grain of salt but like it would be very difficult to hide something like that which i mean the u.s has done a pretty good job of lying about it so um i didn't learn that there was ever a successful north korea ever and it turns out yeah there was a long period of time where they were doing fucking great now i can't remember why that started to change exactly but um you can believe the u.s had something to do with it so yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like, when when did the sanctions against North Korea start? I think they were kind of always there, as far as I understand. But like, yeah. So I mean, like, when you have the major player on the global stage sanctioning you, it it's not gonna boost your economy. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, you know what, I'm I can't really speak too much about this because 
I just don't know. But my, my assumption would be that they were like to some degree allied with the Soviet Union because generally like that was that was how a lot of uh, socialist states remained like viable uh, during that era. Yeah. Uh, or it might have been uh, they might I can't remember if they were allied more with the Soviet Union or China. I think um, both. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a period of both, but then obviously there was a split and blah, blah, blah. We all know, you know, the socialist history is a not great. Right. <laughs> but I wish I had learned actual history in school. Yeah, yeah, that would have been would have been real helpful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember we were talking about this, Brandon, you know, like I was like a teenager before I realized that the U.S. lost the, the Vietnam War. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I was like 36 when I realized we lost the space race. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And coming back to North Korea, I was thinking of doing an episode more broadly about like the North Korean car industry, but there's just very little information out there on the internet. Um, So if any listeners know of good sources of information about that, please write in. Um, Because this little like you know, three quarter page article about Volvos in North Korea is about the most detailed thing I could find. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have a car industry like they actually do. To some right. Extent. Yeah. No, they they make domestically. They make cars there. Um, a lot of them are joint ventures with like China or South Korea as sort of like part of the peace process. And I want to say even one of the joint ventures in with South Korea is involves a company owned by the Moonies by the Unifi- Unification Church. <laughs> oh, that's uh, yeah. I wouldn't have. I, would, I wouldn't advise getting into business with them. But okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> so why they're totally not a cult? <laughs> well, I guess you do what you got to do to survive, huh? <laughs> yeah. But I'll I'll just read this uh, this article and you know interrupt me um, if you have something. Uh, so that you know, keep in mind this is from 2017. Uh, With all the nuclear tip saber rattling between U.S. President Donald Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, the country that was once a punchline is now a lot harder to joke about. Yeah, I mean, guess what? It turns out, you know, people take you seriously if you have nukes. Um, But uh, it's worth remembering. I'm sorry. I think I just got to point out. I remember back in 2017 when all this was going on and there was like a point in time where like, I forget how it came out, but like. People within the intellig- the American intelligence community, like the CIA and shit, kind of came out and said, "Ben, we're like, yeah, Kim Jong Un is not like a fucking maniac. He is a rational actor. He knows what he's doing." So like, and people were like, "Oh, he's crazy, and he's got these nukes." And they're like, "No, no, he's actually he he understands very well what the fuck he's doing. That's why he's doing it. He, he, there's a reason." Dude, it fucks up my whole program when the CIA comes out and admits like the truth, <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's just like, no, nope, no, he knows what he's doing. He's actually, he's, he's uh, way more rational than you think he is. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like the whole thing where like, Oh, the Soviet unions, people are starving to death. And then like in the seventies or eighties, the CIA releases something that's like, actually they're, they're more well-fed than people in the U S <laughs> and it's like, well, Wait, so they are starving? What what is what is my takeaway here? Who am I supposed to believe now? Who am I supposed to believe when the people who are lying to me and the people who are telling me the truth are the same person? <laughs> yeah, so uh continuing on, it's 
uh, but it's <laughs> worth remembering that the hermit kingdom's misdeeds haven't always threatened the lives of millions of people, blah, blah, blah. It's not like other nuclear armed countries, you know, threaten the lives of millions of people. Yeah, what has the U.S. ever done? <laughs> oh, we don't threaten the lives of millions of people. We actually end the lives of millions <laughs> yeah, yeah. of people. It's no threat over here. It's happening. <clears throat> it's not a threat. It's a promise. Yeah. Uh, like that time the regime dabbled in Grand Theft Auto and stole a thousand Volvo sedans from Sweden. Okay, I support the fuck out of that. That <laughs> statement right there. Love it. Yeah. Uh, despite a collapsed economy and severe international sanctions, there's a healthy mix of old Soviet and European beaters, imported luxury cars, and homegrown kagu cats plying the wide streets of Pyongyang these days. And as NPR reports, so I'm sure it's good information, among them is a hardy band of 1973 Volvo 144s, survivors from a 1,000-car fleet that the North Koreans boosted from Sweden in, mid, in the mid-1970s. Dope. Was it like Fast and Furious style where they like they were coming over on a boat and they like put their boat next to it and then like jumped over there and moved the cars one at a time while they're moving and like or what? They drifted the freighter into a harbor. <laughs> uh, it doesn't say that. I, it seems less exciting. Um, Boo. But, you know, you know like, real life isn't a movie, unfortunately. They should make Fast and Furious, whatever it is, 10 or 11 at this point. The next Fast and Furious should be about North Korea stealing a bunch of Volvos. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that uh, Dominic Toretto is a long lost cousin of the Kim family. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all about family. If we're playing this game, um, we we have to go with uh, shit. Who's the NBA player who's friends with? Oh, Dennis uh, Rodman. Dennis Rodman has to be involved in that Fast and Furious <laughs> sequel. <laughs> He's their connection. He's their in. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, I love I actually now I want this movie to be made. <laughs> it's not horrible. I think it's probably better than about 60% of the Fast and Furiouses that have been made. That that, that math sounds right, yeah. <laughs> All right. So back then the country was flush with Soviet cash and, you know, they had their own stuff going on. That steady supply of aid plus a growing industrial economy convinced several Sweden-based exporters to invest in North Korea. And in 1974, the Swedish government agreed to send over 70 million in heavy machinery to the satellite state. What does that mean, satellite state? I don't know. Oh, they're, they're claiming uh, they're a satellite of the Soviet Union or something. Oh, like right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They're not. They're, they're taking away their agency, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something Americans love to fucking do. So they're going to send $70 million in heavy machinery along with that batch of 1,000 Volvo 144 sedans to serve as taxis. So, uh, you know, I know nowadays Volvo is like trying to be luxury cars and electric and whatnot. I think they always kind of were. <clears throat> I mean, I back in the 70s, they were just ordinary sedans. They were they were European, so like maybe they were more uh prestigious in the u.s but yeah i think in the u.s they're considered luxury right i mean they're kind of just i I would argue in this case there is a slight difference between prestigious and luxurious right okay like where where like they were viewed more highly for being european possibly but i like i've always heard that like in europe and like older volvos in the u.s were just very like very practical utilitarian vehicles like they were nice enough but they were just very sturdy yeah this is the 
like the 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 European version of like a Dodge Dart from the same time period. I mean, Volvo was just like the Heineken of cars. <laughs> exactly. Like, is it is it an import? Yes. Is it nice? No. It's just their version of Bud Light. Like it's <laughs> nothing special. It just came from Europe. Calm down. Right. Yeah. That that actually sounds like pretty spot on comparison, actually. You know what my takeaway from stories like this, like specifically this and like stories you get out of Cuba, I I want like from a perspective of pure practicality, like think about how many cars the U.S. manufactures. They get by off of just the cars that they've had for 50 years because there's there's so much like that you like you can save cars if you put a focus on keeping cars on the road instead of like constantly like planned obsolescence and, and and manufacturing new models so that things aren't cool or whatever there's always something more luxurious more powerful yeah, or we're whatever not, we're not like, manufacturing demand there yeah yeah they they just like okay this is a utilitarian thing and they keep, like i would love to know more about this well, than the, any I, available information there's another aspect to that that is i think often forgotten one is yes they keep cars on the road and stuff but part of the way they last for 50 and 60 years is because they are not needed every single day because right. in those countries they're small countries and everything has to be attainable within a person's community so not because they're cool and you know fashionable at the time but by necessity they have walkable communities and so the cars aren't needed every day just uh, well, alternately though like i've heard stories and i don't know to what extent this is true uh but to some extent at least like in the soviet union certain like cars would after x amount of years would just be brought back in and fully rebuilt like it it was i, I don't want to say it was more or less common but like it to like make something new versus rehab something old but like a lot of what it boils down to is labor is expensive and materials can be cheap. But from a socialist mindset, like it's okay that labor is expensive because it's a more of a renewable resource and it ensures that like everyone has work. And if you've got like a hundred percent employment, then you can maybe have like a 20 or 30 hour work week where like we need a whole, whole bunch of mechanics and fabricators because we have to keep this fleet of cars on the road um so you're all going to work like 30 hours a week so that we can do all of that and like is it more labor fuck yeah but you don't have to like open up a new like fucking mine to get enough materials to start manufacture the new like a uh, 2025 lineup of whatever yeah, that's i don't know true no, that's yeah. true and uh, more and someone... so in the soviet union um i mean because they they weren't as far as i know they didn't have programs like that necessarily in cuba or yeah. North Korea, but I, I think in Cuba, a lot like most of those cars, those old American cars are not on the original motors They're They've been replaced with like Lada engines or, you know, Chinese yeah. diesel motors or something like that. There's there, like I, I watched uh, that movie. I'm, I'm disgusted a little bit um, where they were people were like, like getting in black market engine parts to like soup up their cars and stuff. Which movie was this? Uh, it's uh was Havana Motor Club. Okay, I talked about it a little bit d during my like socialist racing episode. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, there there's there's a black market in Cuba where people will like um sneak car parts into the country. 
Okay. That's very cool. Especially people who have had like family members that went to the U S they would, they would have them like arrange shipping and shit. So it's like, can you get me a Holly four barrel and, you know, put it in this box that's labeled, uh, I don't know, something innocuous. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a whole bunch about it because obviously in the film they didn't go into like intense specifics right. on how they smuggled shit into the <laughs> <Yeah>. country. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like when I get it, go off on a tangent about like remanufacturing an, an existing car. It's coming from a place of like in my in my neighborhood, I watched them tear down a couple of dozen houses, and they put up newer shittier construction houses right because it's a lot of labor to rehab a house as to where it's not as much labor and just more material intensive to just build a new one now there's one of the recent episodes of well there's your problem where they were talking about this with regards to row houses in philly you know like it makes much more sense to rehab them but that's more expensive and difficult so they just tear them down yeah, I mean, like, I, I get why in a capitalist economy it's not going to happen, but that's also, like, you know, one of my fundamental objections to a capitalist economy. Like, yeah. why don't you just save that 140-year-old house instead of tearing it down because it would cost an extra $10,000 to rehab it? Yeah. And and someone mentioned planned obsolescence. Um, I forget the exact quote, but... Uh, Alfred P. Sloan, who I talked about in um, the GM streetcar conspiracy, he was quoted basically talking about how like planned obsolescence is their their goal with GM. Like they want to every couple years, like change the styling or add a new feature so that the old one's obsolete and you have to buy a new car. And this was, you know, in like the 50s or something. I don't know if they're still operating on that business model, but it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. They um. are. <laughs> and so, I mean, phones are the same in computer yeah. stuff. It's like yeah. they could put out a product right now that is looks like it's 10 years in the future because they have the technology, but they dole it out slowly so that there's only one or two upgrades per year because otherwise they could dump it all and have something really cool out. Um, but then you wouldn't be incentivized to buy a new car every three or four years. Yeah. Um, or so- Or like Apple, they would, yep. you know intentionally make the old versions of the iPhone have like worse battery life just with software tweaks and stuff. So they're like, Oh, my old phone, it's just so slow and the battery doesn't last. I guess I better get a a new one for a thousand bucks or whatever. Yep. Yeah. I like the phone that I have, but I recently broke the screen and the screen's like so expensive to fix. So uh, I'm going to order a new one from eBay of the same model. That is only a couple hundred bucks now, as opposed to like, However the fuck much, because yeah. nice. I don't mm-hmm. need a seven or eight hundred or a thousand dollar phone. Yeah. Nice. It's it's why I have a shitty house that when something breaks, I fix it. And I have shitty old vehicles. And when something breaks, I fix it. Like. I, I don't need new things. But yeah. Uh, back to Volvos in North Korea. Um, so they ordered uh, these thousand Volvos to be taxis. And then a year later, with economic ties deepening between the two countries, Sweden became the first Western nation to open an embassy in Pyongyang. Unfortunately, the good times didn't last. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm sorry. What what year was that? uh, 1975, I believe. Okay. Okay. 
Unfortunately, good for Sweden. They're, they are going to regret it, though. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, North Korea's economy began to falter soon after, and though Sweden has maintained diplomatic relations with the country, much to the benefit of detained American citizens, uh, the hermit kingdom never actually paid for all those Volvos. So basically they did a dine and dash with thousand Volvos uh, instead of a dinner. Citing the Swedish Export Credit Agency, NPR reports the interest and penalties on the debt for the cars <laughs> has grown to a staggering $322 million over the last 40-odd years. It, which ain't shit. It's just, yeah. It ain't shit. And also, I love how they're like, well, if we add interest, you're like, well, why would you add interest? Was there some agreement assigned for fucking interest? No, they stole the cars. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> you're you getting that about? money. I don't think you're getting that back. <laughs> No, I relate to to that reasoning because like anytime I owe like a company money or something and they pile on interest, at that point I refuse to pay it. (laughs) I have done that a number of times. I have terrible credit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, North Korea is basically like, you know, didn't didn't pay their bills and went to collections and they just (laughs) disconnected the phone. Like we're not listening. Honestly, to after this story, I'm I feel connected to North Korea. We we are the same. Uh, they keep they keep vehicles on the road fifty years and refuse to pay their bills. I I am the North Korea of people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then they have a, a picture of a uh, a Volvo here with uh, almost half a million kilometers on the odometer. So uh, there's some of them are still going strong. Yeah, but who the fuck even knows what a kilometer is? Yeah, you know, I've been saying this for years. We just need to ditch the metric system. It's caused nothing but pain. <laughs> How many whoppers is that? Or whatever we're measuring things in today. <laughs> How many bald eagles per hectare? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, a hectare, that's uh, that's metric, isn't it? Oh, I don't even know. I thought it was made up. Is that a real thing? <laughs> I mean, the metric well, no, yes, is, is the metric measurement. <laughs> What was I going to say? Uh, so they're not as. I'm going to start measuring time in mass shootings. Oh. <laughs> that's that's the metric system of time now. Oh, uh, side, side tangent. But have you looked into the the revolutionary uh, calendar they had in France for a while? Yes. <laughs> I should have. Where, where, isn't that the thing where, like, to this day, we still don't know what years certain things happen right. because their concept of time was so fucked up for like a few years? Yeah, I think it was more like what day and what month, but yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. <clears throat> okay, so uh, the Volvos aren't as ubiquitous ubiquitous as they once were uh, in North Korea, but some are still used as taxis. But if the regime's unpaid parking tickets in New York City are any indication, it doesn't seem like Sweden will be getting its money or its cars back anytime soon. Which, yeah, I, I think that's pretty hilarious also is like the the diplomats that go to the UN in New York City from North Korea, like, just don't pay their parking tickets because fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck you, America, you bombed our country. Like, fuck you some more. That's awesome. Yeah. But I, 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 I like, no, if you're a diplomat that's, in the U.S., you don't have to pay your parking tickets. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they're just they're applying a standard to North Korea. Where I'm like, I don't think any of the diplomats are paying these parking tickets. <laughs> yeah, like it's that. That's this is why I don't have an opinion on North Korea because, like, 
you can just read this like three quarters page article and you can see how much bullshit is just crammed into it. <laughs> and this would be arguably a relatively like middle of the road commentary on North Korea in terms of what you're going to get in the U.S. Yeah, in fact, to that end, actually, it's it's worth noting that um, so like I think later in the article they say like, oh, you know, every year. Sweden sends over a bill. Ha ha ha. It's a funny little thing. But like there are several countries that do that to the U.S. too. Um, Every country has some unpaid thing that is like uh, they just won't fucking deal with. Like I think uh, the U.K. still charges the U.S. for the tea that was dumped in the (laughs) Boston Tea Party. And like there we would never write an art. There would never be an article about the hermit country, the U.S. that stole all this tea. And like, like can you imagine if they wrote it with the same fucking bias against the U.S.? Um, it, it's unthinkable. So when they write an article like this about the North Korea steel and the Volvos, like it's funny and, and we're covering it because it's car related and it's kind of goofy. But like every country does shit like this. Um, yeah. But yeah, there of course, it's. North Korea, so it's like, oh, they stole a bunch of cars, and it's like, well, whatever, yeah, that happens. I mean, I can think of a couple examples, like that time when pieces of Skylab fell in Australia, and the Australian government sent a bill to NASA for littering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, or but like when when something like that happens, I have like I'm like, does somebody in Australia have a really fucking good sense of humor? <laughs> Or did they really send a bill for littering? <laughs> yeah. Because I can't fathom either, either one of those things being on correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the other one was, you know, like every year uh, the U.S. government sends a check to Cuba saying, here's our rent for uh, leasing Guantanamo Bay. Oh, yeah. And uh, the current government of Cuba is like, no, fuck you. We're not going to cash this check we don't see your occupation of that area as legitimate. That was a deal with the old government, which was a military military dictatorship. So uh, no, no, we want that land back. Uh, We're not. I mean, I've, I've read where like uh, after the revolution that like the only reason they continued to allow the U S to use Guantanamo Bay was out of fear. Uh, Yeah. Like they were fearful of the repercussions of kicking them out. Right. Yeah. I mean, naturally. Uh, yeah, I mean, any, anyone would like it's it's like when you know that a dude is a psychopath, but you still have to be in the same room with him like you y- you tread lightly. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah, they, they can do a little bit of fuck you stuff, but like they do have to be careful, unfortunately, um, which I think that check that we send them, by the way, is like something ridiculous, like a very low. Yeah, It's like a hundred dollars a year or something. Or yeah, something like that. it's something crazy. If that's true, that then it's an active fuck you. Oh yeah, no, that's what it is. One hundred percent, it's that. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah. Okay, I was about to. But if you're <laughs> okay, we're hold on. We're all furiously googling to see who's gonna get it first. <laughs> oh, it's like four thousand a month. Okay, that's still fuck you money yeah. in terms of like yeah, and it's a huge portion of land. Yeah. That's like a very nice apartment in New York City or a decent uh, mid grade. I think that's a middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. That's a very nice apartment here. 
or a shitty one in New York City. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was literally like it just came out that four thousand is like the median rent in Ooh. New York City or something. Ugh. Yeah, it's fucking it's fucking outrageous. I Jesus. I can't even imagine how that's possible. <laughs> I look outside every day and feel that same way. Yeah, that's true. I just can't imagine how all of this is possible. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's all we got, unless you guys got anything else to uh, to add to this one. I would just like to encourage all of our listeners to not get COVID. It sucks. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that for sure. And if you have the chance to steal a Volvo, do it. This is not legal advice. <laughs> this is not legal advice. No. Actually, yeah, no, it is illegal advice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you are a sovereign nation, go ahead and steal some Volvos, I guess. But uh, you know, I don't think most of our listeners are the government of a uh, country. I, I, Wait, so what if what if I go sovereign citizen? Then can I just steal a Volvo? <laughs> you can yes, do all kinds only of shit a sovereign citizen. Oh, I that's a double whammy because I also won't even need a driver's license for it. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen some some uh, some articles lately that that's probably not the greatest uh, idea, but um, oh, you yeah. mean sovereign citizenship is not like a coherent ideology? We do have Turns to do out. an episode on that. Yeah, we really do. I, it's it's been a long time coming. We gotta we gotta look into this a little bit. <laughs> we're we're going to get the truth for you, folks. Do you actually need a driver's license, <laughs> <laughs> or are you just traveling on a private roadway, not for commercial use? whatever the fuck it is <laughs> i'm not driving i'm traveling <laughs> you know in russia there's uh there's sovereign citizens who are like i'm not a citizen of russia i'm a citizen of the ussr and oh so these like I laws love are... these people <laughs> yeah i don't know who they are but i love these people now, That's now look they great. have the same like you know uh american chud brainworms as you know regular <laughs> sovereign citizens here do you know it's just <laughs> They have a different sort of nostalgia for the past. Um, I, I, I'm sure they believe all kinds of terrible things. I'm sure. Yeah, I've actually like heard talk and nothing concrete about like people who tend to reminisce about the Soviet Union in current day Russia have a tendency to be like weirdly reactionary. Like we we hold the USSR up on a pedestal for being what it was, but like their experience was so much different that it's. It's more reactionary than it is political. Yeah, Ooh, unfortunately. Gross. But uh, regardless, I still choose to, to uh, respect their decision, and I am now a, a sovereign citizen of the USSR. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Uh, my automotive fleet will be seeing a lot of changes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I think, um, I do think, just last thing on the... Uh, North Korea Volvo heist. I think it's worth noting that um, if if I'm not mistaken, Sweden still has almost like not the worst relations with North Korea, despite this. Yeah, um, I think they take it all in good fun. So, I, you know, they, they seem like one of the countries that actually is probably more reasonable on North Korea. I could be totally wrong about that, but I, I could swear it was they still have uh, decent relations with a number of socialist countries, if I'm not mistaken. They kind of stay out of, like, they don't necessarily conform entirely to the Western bloc of capitalist, quote-unquote, democracies when it comes to uh, sanctions and such. 
I bet they could still get North Korea to pay if they just do a little something to uh, sweeten the deal. I bet they could, actually. <laughs> sweeten the deal. Oh, I just got that. Uh. <laughs> <clears throat> Every now and then the COVID fog lifts and I can see the jokes. <laughs> it's like the Matrix code or something. <laughs> so many people have compared my ability to make jokes to the Matrix code. <laughs> Like, not jokingly, like several people. Oddly specific. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's make it true. Connor, you want to you wanna plug our social media and we'll get out of here? Oh, yeah. Uh, we have social media. Go follow it. Yeah. <laughs> Great plug. <laughs> okay, well. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm, we got I'll be the serious. Twitter, we got the Instagrams. Yeah, we There's got it. probably some Facebooks in there. Yeah, we got all of that stuff. And then... Um, Oh, is the other thing I always say. Oh, um, give us a Something rating. Something about a sex fair. A what? <laughs> I, uh, okay, well, I can see the the COVID has not been kind to everyone, so uh, maybe we'll just end it there. Uh, we'll we'll put links in the description. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, follow our social media and stuff. All right, good job, Connor. Thanks. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. We gon' make you fight fire with fire bitch. We make you fight fire with water bitch. We gon' fight riches and not riches, but we gon' fight the solidarity. We said we're not gonna fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we gonna fight the socialism. <laughs>